0: It's the 14th day of July. Let's read the Bible. Friends, welcome back to this year-long journey. We started in January, God willing, by the end of December, we will have gone from Genesis to Revelation in just one year. So glad you have joined us, whether you've been with us for months, weeks, days, or if today's your first day, doesn't matter, glad to have you with us. Got a nice note from somebody who said, the Bible Bus." has been a gift from God, Pastor Ray. I am blessed to be one of its daily passengers. Well, there are hundreds of us who are on the Bible bus. More people are joining all the time. Thank you. And just a reminder, one way you can help us is by liking these videos and subscribing to the Keep Believing YouTube channel and the Keep Believing Rumble channel. Uh, If you like the videos and if you subscribe, uh, that's a way to get the word out. Also, a reminder that all the videos, all of them that we have done so far, they are archived on Facebook, on YouTube, on Rumble, and at KeepBelieving.com. In fact, if you want to help us even more, when you go back to look at the videos, we hope you'll go to KeepBelieving.com. Those are linked up with YouTube, but it helps us. It, It helps, I don't know, algorithmically, if that's a word, it helps us when you go to key believing website watch the videos there but it doesn't matter whether Facebook YouTube rumble or KBM website we're just glad to have you aboard now today acts 18 19 and 20 when we left off Paul had been to Athens and he had spoken before the Areopagus the, the, the the elite it would be as if you took the elite leaders of Harvard and Yale and Cambridge, and Oxford, and brought them all together in one place. That's what it was for Paul to explain the gospel to those brilliant minds. Some sneered, others doubted, some wanted to hear more, and yet some believed. Now, we pick up the story, Acts 18. After this, meaning after, after what had happened in Athens, after the preaching there, he left Athens and went to Corinth, where he found a Jew named Aquila a native of Pontus, who had recently come from Italy with his wife Priscilla because Claudius had ordered all the Jews to leave Rome. Paul came to them, and since they were the, of the same occupation, tentmakers by trade, he stayed with them and worked. He reasoned in the synagogue every Sabbath and tried to persuade both Jews and Greeks. When Silas and Timothy arrived from Macedonia, Paul devoted himself to, pre- himself to preaching the word and testified to the Jews that Jesus is the Messiah. When they resisted and blasphemed, he shook out his clothes and told them, Your blood is on your own heads. I am innocent. From now on, I will go to the Gentiles. So he left there, went to the house of a man named Titius Justus, a worshiper of God, whose house was next door to the synagogue. Crispus, the leader of the synagogue, believed in the Lord along with his whole household. Many of the Corinthians, when they heard, believed and were baptized. The Lord said to Paul in a night vision, Do not be afraid. But keep on speaking and don't be silent, for I am with you, and no one will lay a hand on you to hurt you, because I have many people in this city. He stayed there a year and a half, teaching the word of God among them. While Gallio was proconsul of Achaia, the Jews made a united attack against Paul and brought him to the tribunal. This man, they said, is persuading people to worship God in ways contrary to the law. As Paul was about to open his mouth, Gallio said to the Jews, If it were a matter of wrongdoing or of a serious crime, it would be reasonable for me to put up with you Jews. But if these are questions about words, names, and your own law, see to it yourselves. I refuse to be a judge of such things. So he drove them all from the tribunal. And they all seized Sosthenes, the leader of the synagogue, and beat him in front of the tribunal. But none of these things mattered to Galileo. After staying for some time, Paul said farewell to the brothers and sisters and sailed away to Syria, accompanied by Priscilla, and Aquila. He shaved his head at Sincrea because of a vow he had taken. When they reached Ephesus, he left them there, but he himself entered the synagogue and debated with the Jews. When they asked him to stay for a longer time, he declined, but he said farewell and added, I'll come back to you again, if God wills. Then he set sail from Ephesus. On landing at Caesarea, he went up to Jerusalem and greeted the church, then went down to Antioch. After spending some time there, he set out, traveling through one place after another in the region of Galatia and Phrygia, strengthening all the disciples. Now, a Jew named Apollos, a native Alexandrian, an eloquent man who was competent in the use of the scriptures, arrived at Ephesus. He had been instructed in the way of the Lord and being fervent in spirit. He was speaking and teaching accurately about Jesus. Although he knew only John's baptism, he began to speak boldly in the synagogue. After Priscilla and Aquila heard him, they took him aside and explained the way of God to him more accurately. When he wanted to cross over to Achaia, the brothers and sisters wrote to the disciples to welcome him. After he arrived, he was in great help to those who by grace had believed, for he vigorously refuted the Jews in public, demonstrating through the scriptures that Jesus is the Messiah. Acts 19. While Apollos was in Corinth, Paul traveled through the interior regions and came to Ephesus. He found some disciples and asked them, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed?" No, they told him, we haven't even heard there is a Holy Spirit. Into what then were you baptized? He asked them, into John's baptism, they replied. Paul said, John preached with a baptism of repentance, telling the people that they should believe in the one who would come after him, that is, in Jesus. When they heard this, they were baptized into the name of the Lord Jesus. And when Paul laid his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came on them, and they began to speak in tongues and to prophesy. Now there were about twelve men in all. Paul entered the synagogue and spoke boldly over a period of three months, arguing and persuading them about the kingdom of God. But when some became hardened and would not believe, slandering the way in front of the crowd, he withdrew from them, taking the disciples and, con- and con- taking the disciples and conducted discussions every day in the lecture hall of Tarsus. This went on for two years so that all the residents of Asia, both Jews and Greeks, heard the word of the Lord. God was performing extraordinary miracles by Paul's hands so that even face face cloths or aprons that had touched his skin were brought to the sick and the diseases left them and the evil spirits came out of them. Now, some of the itinerant Jewish exorcists also attempted to pronounce the name of the Lord Jesus over those who had evil spirits, saying, I commend you by the Jesus that Paul preaches. Seven sons of Sceva, a Jewish high priest, were doing this. The evil spirit answered them, I know Jesus, and I recognize Paul, but who are you? Then the man who had the evil spirit jumped on them, overpowered them all, and prevailed against them so that they ran out of that house naked and wounded. When this became known to everyone who lived in Ephesus, both Jews and Greeks, they became afraid and the name of the Lord Jesus was held in high esteem. And many who had become believers came confessing and disclosing their practices, while many of those who had practiced magic collected their books and burned them in front of everyone. So they calculated their value and found it to be 50,000 pieces of silver. In this way, the word of the Lord spread and prevailed. After these events, Paul resolved by the Spirit to pass through Macedonia and Achaia and go to Jerusalem. After I've been there, he said, it is necessary for me to see Rome as well. After sending to Macedonia two of those who assisted him, Timothy and Erastus, he himself stayed in Asia for a while. About that time, there was a major disturbance about the way. For a person named Demetrius, a silversmith, who made silver shrines of Artemis, provided a great deal of business for the craftsmen. When he had assembled them, as well as the workers engaged in this type of business, he said, men, you know that our prosperity is derived from this business. You see and hear that not only in Ephesus, but in almost all of Asia, this man Paul has persuaded and misled a considerable number of people by saying that gods made by hand are not gods. Not only do we want want, run a risk that our business may be discredited, but also that the temple of the great goddess Artemis, Artemis may be despised and that them, and that her magnificent comes, magnificence comes to the verge of ruin, the very one all of Asia and the world worship. When they heard this, they were filled with rage and began to cry out, Great is Artemis of the Ephesians. So the city was filled with confusion, and they rushed all together into the amphitheater, dragging along Gaius and Aristarchus, Macedonians who were Paul's traveling companions. Although Paul wanted to go in before the people, the disciples did not let him. Even some of the provincial officials of Asia, who were his friends, sent word to him, pleading with him not to venture into the amphitheater. Some were shouting one thing and some another because the assembly was in confusion and most of them did not know why they had come together. Some Jews in the crowd gave instructions to Alexander after they pushed him to the front. Motioning with his hand, Alexander wanted to make his defense to the people, but when they recognized that he was a Jew, they all shouted in unison for about two hours great is artemis of the ephesians when the city clerk had calmed the crowd down he said people of Ephesus, what person is there who doesn't know that the city of the ephesians is the temple guardian of the great artemis and of the image that fell from heaven therefore since these things are undeniable you must keep calm and not do anything rash for you have brought these men here who are not temple robbers or blasphemers of our goddess so if demetrius And the craftsmen who are with him have a case against anyone. The courts are in session and there are proconsuls. Let them bring charges against one another. But if you seek anything further, it must be decided in a legal assembly. In fact, we were at a risk of being charged with rioting for what happened today since there is no justification that we can give as a reason for this disturbance. After saying this, he dismissed the assembly. So, earlier... When they were at Thessalonica, one of the complaints was these men who have turned the world upside down have come here also. Now it's a little later in the story, and it's it's true that Paul and his friends, through the preaching of the gospel, they've come to Ephesus, a truly great city. They have turned the world upside down. Chapter 20, what will happen now? After the uproar was over, Paul sent for the disciples, encouraged them, and after saying farewell, departed to go to Macedonia. And when he had passed through those areas and offered them many words of encouragement, he came to Greece and stayed three months. The Jews plotted against him when he was about to set sail for Syria, so he decided to go back through Macedonia. He was accompanied by Sopater, a son of Pyrrhus from Berea, Aristarchus and Secundus from Th- Thessalonica, Gaius from Derby; Timothy and Tychicus, and Trophimus from the province of Asia. These men went on ahead and waited for us in Troas, but we sailed away from Philippi after the festival of unleavened bread. In five days, we reached the at Troas where we spent seven days. On the first day of the week, we assembled to break bread. Paul spoke to them, and since he was about to depart the next day, he kept on talking until midnight. There were many laps in the room upstairs where we were assembled, and a young man named Eutychus was sitting on a window sill and sank into a deep sleep as Paul kept on talking. When he was overcome by sleep, he fell down from the third story and was picked up dead. But Paul went down, bent over him, embraced him, and said, Don't be alarmed because he's alive. After going upstairs, breaking the bread, and eating, Paul talked a long time until dawn. Then he left. They They brought the boy home alive and were greatly comforted. We went on ahead to the ship and sailed for Assos, where we were going to take Paul on board because these were his instructions since he himself was going by land. When he met us at Assos, we took him on board and went on to Mytilene. Sailing from there, the next day we arrived at Chios. The next day we crossed over to Samos, and the day after we came to Miletus. For Paul had decided to sail past Ephesus to avoid spending time in the province of Asia, because he was hurrying to be in Jerusalem, if possible, for the day of Pentecost. Now from Miletus he sent to Ephesus and summoned the elders of the church. When they came to him, he said to them, You know from the first day I set foot in Asia, how I was with you the whole time, serving the Lord with all humility, with tears, and during the trials that came to me through the plots of the Jews. You know that I did not hesitate to proclaim anything to you that was profitable and to teach you publicly and from house to house. I testified to both Jews and Greeks about repentance toward God and faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. And now I am on my way to Jerusalem, compelled by the Spirit, not knowing what I will encounter there, except that in every town the Holy Spirit warns me, the chains and afflictions are waiting for me. But I consider my life of no value to myself. My purpose is to finish my course and the ministry I received from the Lord Jesus to testify to the gospel of God's grace. And now I know that none of you among whom I went about preaching the kingdom will ever see me again. Therefore, I declare to you this day that I am innocent of the blood of all of you, because I did not avoid declaring to you the whole plan of God. Be on guard for yourselves and for all the flock of which the Holy Spirit has appointed you as overseers to shepherd the church of God, which He purchased with His own blood. I know that after my departure, savage wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock. Men will rise up even from your own number and distort the truth to lure the disciples into following them. Therefore, be on the alert remembering that day and night for three years I never stopped warning each one of you with tears. And now I commit you to God and to the word of His grace, which is able to build you up and give you an inheritance among all who are sanctified. I have not coveted anyone's silver or gold or clothing. You yourselves know that I work with my own hands to support myself. and Those who are with me in every way, I've shown you that it is necessary to help the weak by laboring like this and to remember the words of the Lord Jesus because he said it is more blessed to give than to receive. After this, he knelt down and prayed with all of them. There were many tears shed by everyone. They embraced Paul and kissed him, grieving most of all over his statement that they would never see his face again, and they accompanied him to the ship. You could spend Weeks, I think, studying Paul's message to the leaders of the Ephesian church. Miletus was a was an island off the coast there. You know, Ephesus was essentially a port city. There was a, a river in those days went from Ephesus to to the sea, just not far away. Miletus was just off the coast. Ephesus, wonderful city. Paul knew he'd never be back there again look what he said. The Holy Spirit's told me, I don't know what the future is except chains and afflictions are waiting for me, but I consider my life of no value to myself. None of these things move me. None of these things bother me. None of these things worry me. My only course, my only purpose, is to finish my course, run the race, and to complete the ministry I received from the Lord Jesus Christ. I, I think I've told you before, but it just always bears repeating. The, uh, the words of Count Zinzendorf, founder of the Moravian Brethren, to the young men he raised up for the ministry, became really the, 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 the father of the great modern missionary movement. In the generations after the Protestant reformation he told his young men that here's your whole call so to speak preach the gospel die let god determine your legacy that's paul's attitude what happens to me doesn't matter the only thing that matters is that the gospel is preached and i can finish my race successfully oh Oh, what a thought that is for today. No matter what you face, it doesn't really matter. Only let God be glorified. Let Jesus be magnified. Let others see Jesus in us. Let us run the race, run right through the tape. Just run down the home stretch, run across the finish line, and let God determine our legacy. So may we be found faithful today. Lord, that's our prayer. May we be faithful today doing what matters most. In Jesus' name, amen. Go out and have a great day, folks. The story, the story of the Apostle Paul here in these closing chapters of the book of Acts, we're going to, he's going to go down to Jerusalem and it's going to apparently take a bad turn. But God knows what he's doing. Oh, you got to see this. Come back tomorrow. We'll do this again. God bless.